Hello everyone, welcome back to My Solo Road. I'm your host, Sydney Fairbrash, and for those of you watching on video, yes, that's right, to the people on the microphone, I'm actually doing this on video now. I've been doing the podcast for over two years now. I have been saying that entire time that I wanted to also record it on video for YouTube, but it took me until today to actually have the courage to do that. So we are here trying new things in Flagstaff, Arizona, of all places. But if you have never heard of me before, I've been living in this van home for uh, the last three years, almost. I've been on the road full-time for about four years. I have two dogs who travel with me full-time as well, obviously. They're my, my babies. I have Pearl, a chihuahua, who is right behind the camera, and Ella, who is currently playing outside and living her best life. But yeah, so... Here we are, welcome to my solo road. I tend to have something to drink while I record. Today we're having a little Cabernet to calm the nerves a bit. For those of you listening and watching, I guess now as well, that have been following me along on Instagram for a while, you know that I had foster puppies and I haven't had an episode of the podcast come out since we gave the, the foster puppies away. So I did just want to address that very briefly. We had Taco and Belly, who I fell in love with, and we actually rescued them from Mexico, which we're going to be talking all about van life in Mexico today. And we found them on a beach. We rescued them. We got them, you know, healthy, took care of them, crossed them into the United States in San Diego, traveled with them for a while. I fell madly in love. I became very maternal over these two puppies. And then my, while, while looking for somebody to take them and kind of, you know, give them a forever home, I feel like that's what people say. Yeah, we ended up, I called my aunt who had been talking to me about them, my cousin as well, and they uh, really wanted to take the puppies. So they will be with my family from now on, which is incredible. And we're very excited about that, especially because now for holidays and yeah, I don't know, all of the things. Whenever I go to Indiana, I can go see the puppies. So that's exciting. I wanted to just address that because yeah, if you guys have been following me, then you, you know that happened and you saw me crying a lot there for a few days. But I'm doing much better now. Seeing them happy and in Ohio, I feel way better. And yeah, so today we're going to be talking all about Mexico. This is something I wanted to do regardless, just make an episode just addressing Mexico in general and what the van life experience for myself and my friends was while we were there. I've watched some videos on YouTube about van life in Mexico and other people's experiences, specifically in Baja, in that whole peninsula. That's what I did recently. And uh, yeah, some of those videos are insane. They're just... They're very offensive and insulting, especially when you do go and experience it firsthand. It's not a matter of like just a difference in experience, which obviously everyone is going to have a different type of experience when they are traveling anywhere, but it's just kind of maybe not lies, but extremely exaggerated and alluding to things that are untrue. And so, yeah, we're going to address all of that today and we're just going to talk about safety and campsites and having dogs in Mexico and crossing the border and being a solo female while in Mexico. I did have my friends there. And yeah, we're just going to talk about all of that. So anyways, that will be what today is. We're also going to have a call in from my friend. We, I wanted to have my friend Katie call in. However, she reached out to me today because she knew the podcast was happening today. And she let me know that she thinks she broke her arm roller skating. So Katie was the only one of us who had like a little hiccup with just kind of a questioning in safety. So I wanted to have her share her firsthand experience. But Brie, my other friend who was also there, she was 
with KD for the majority of what happened. So I'm just gonna have Brie call in and kind of share what that experience was like for them because I was not there. Like we were all driving together, but I was driving ahead of them. So I didn't really see what was going on. Uh, so we're gonna have Brie call in, share that experience on behalf of Katie, who hopefully did not break her arm, but is currently at the hospital. And yeah, so I am going to put a little more, little more wine in this glass to get yourself a drink of your choice. And we will be right back for the episode. Alright, before we jump into van life in Mexico, we are going to have an ad read. The first one on video for BetterHelp. If you listen to the podcast frequently, you already know how much we love BetterHelp. I've been in therapy with BetterHelp. My therapist's name is Kayla. I've been with them for probably a year, year and a half now. And I absolutely love her. I got very lucky and, uh, you know, just got an amazing counselor on the first one. Sometimes it might take like two, hopefully not, but maybe three tries to really get a therapist that you like vibe with and just kind of understands where you're coming from to the degree in which you need. But I've had nothing but a wonderful experience with BetterHelp. A lot of my friends in my personal life have also signed up with BetterHelp using my code just because last year was a hard year. We all know that. And so yeah, therapy is wonderful for everyone. So if you want to get 10% off your uh, first month of BetterHelp, you can go to betterhelp.com slash divine. Join over 1 million people prioritizing their mental health today and go to betterhelp.com slash divine for 10% off. And now we're going to talk about Mexico and van life. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, we are going to start off with uh, what you need to do before ever even crossing into Mexico. So just as a heads up on what we're going to be going over before getting into Mexico, crossing the border into Mexico, campsites, safety, Katie's experience, my overall experience crossing back into the United States. I also just am going to briefly touch on uh, animal rescue because I did do some work down there. So if anybody is interested in helping out a little bit while you are in Baja, I have a couple of recommendations for you. So Starting off with before you even enter Mexico in general, before you get to Baja, things I recommend doing, getting pesos, obviously. So different places are going to have a different exchange rate. So I, I recommend doing a little bit of research. I I went to a place in San Diego or just south of San Diego. I called around, looked up a few different places. This place seemed to have the best exchange rate that I could find. So that's what I did. I also recommend getting out some bribe money. That does have something to do with Katie's story. That does have happen. That doesn't necessarily mean it has anything to do with safety, but you could get pulled over and be questioned a little bit and you might need to have bribe money, whether it's at the border or once you are in Mexico. So just get out a little bit of extra. If they ask, we're, we're going to talk about this later, but if they ask for $400 US dollars, don't give them 400 US dollars, okay? You should have like 50 US dollars or whatever that could be equivalent to in pesos. I'm not doing the math here, but have that ready, like have a, a small amount just because they're asking you for an X amount of US dollars does not mean that you have to give them that exact number. Try and be a little bit, you know, smart about that. Don't just hand over all your money. Also water, I recommend filling up on your water, obviously. Get some extra. I got a sec an extra six gallon water tank, which I, I tend to carry around anyways, but I just made sure that was filled and my water tank for the sink was also full. Henry did the exact same thing. Thing. I think he actually got like a few extra six gallons, as did all of my other friends, like just stock up on water. You don't really know it when or if you'll be able to find it. There are places that you can find on iOverlander, but yeah, just, I don't know, do that. Do the, do the things. Stocking up on food. 
I ran into this issue a lot. We actually found more water than we did like full on grocery stores. So I know in other places in Mexico, there are normal grocery stores with like tons of stuff. And in places like Ensenada, you're going to find grocery stores that have like an abundant amount of food. But in a lot of other small towns like Molaje and wherever else, you know, throughout Baja, there's really not that many options. I was anticipating it to be very, like, very, very touristy because that's kind of what I had heard. And that just wasn't my experience or like what the case seemed to be. There was much smaller markets with avocados, potatoes, onions, and like limes. And then just a couple like, you know, aisles of shelves with like shelf stable things. But there wasn't a variety of options. So I do recommend bringing like if you have some kind of favorite food or myself, I don't eat dairy. So I, you know, had to get like a bunch of vegan ranch from Indiana. So yeah, I got vegan ranch, vegan Caesar dressing, stuff like that. Things that you don't know if you'll be able to find in a place that doesn't have like a large Safeway or Fred Meyers, which are uh, gigantic grocery stores that we have here in the States. And then next up is Max Tracks. So I had actually got these right before Mexico. Max Tracks are like these big things for your tires if you get stuck. It's really easy to get stuck in Mexico because you uh, are going to be parking on the beach, probably, hopefully. That's why I, you know, that's one thing I was looking forward to. So when you have Max Tracks, you basically just like jam them into, they do take up a little bit of space, but you jam them right in front of your tire or right behind it, wherever you're stuck. And they make it much easier to get traction and get out. So I just found that to be important. They also work very well for like leveling blocks. I'm actually sitting on a Max Track right now because it's a little bit uneven at this campsite. So they work well for leveling blocks, no matter where you are. Just a smart thing to probably have in van life just in general. Next up is car insurance, which is the worst part about going into Mexico for me was getting car insurance because it's a smart thing and like, I don't know, it's an adult thing to do, but it was about $600 for me. I don't know if there's a cheaper company to go through, but I did look at Baja Bound. That seems to be the company that a lot of people go with and it was even more expensive. So I ended up just going with Progressive, who is like my regular car insurance. And it was about $600 for, I think like 30 days of insurance. So that was brutal and definitely the most expensive thing. But if you get into an accident, especially with a vehicle that's fully built out like this, I would have been screwed. So if you are in the same situation, I recommend just forking out the $600. And last but not least, before getting into Mexico, I got a storage unit. So uh, the storage unit was really just for a few potential weapons that I don't recommend bringing into Mexico. I am a solo female, so I, I take my safety very seriously. But you can't bring everything across the border. So uh, I got a storage unit for those things and any extra valuables that you might not need while you are in Mexico. And my all my friends ended up using the storage unit as well. It's just kind of a nice thing to you worry less when you have less, you know? So just put what you don't need in the storage unit and you'll feel a little bit better about that. So that's everything that we did. We did all of these things within like the 48 hour window right before we crossed the border. I don't know why we all stalled so much, but we did and we were ready to go. So moving along, crossing the border into Mexico. I don't know about you, but I have horrible anxiety when it comes to all things authorities in my life, like any type of an authority figure. So crossing the border where I'm going to have to deal with like uh, border patrol and is it border patrol? You know what I'm saying? Like just on the US side and then on the Mexico side, I'd never done it before. I didn't know what to expect. I've crossed into Canada in the van before, but not Mexico. So 
I was just nervous and not necessarily that I needed to be. Oh, Pearl, she's behind the camera and awake. But anyways, so I crossed through Tijuana. There are various points. You can go through Mexicali as well, which is a little bit more east uh, than Tijuana. And uh, my experience through Tijuana was a breeze. It was extremely easy. We pulled through. You do have to get a tourist permit, which is like on the right-hand side in Tijuana. It's different no matter where you are, but you have to get a tourist permit regardless of where you cross. And when you cross through Tijuana, there's like zero signage. It's just this random building on your right-hand side, like right before you cross into Mexico or right after you cross into Mexico. I can't remember. But you have to stop there. You go in, you pay. It's like 20 or 30 bucks and they will give you a tourist permit that you have to have while you are in Mexico. Other than that, that took maybe 20, 20 minutes and then you can leave the building, cross the border and you're fine. So basically when I got up to the border... The U.S. people, I mean, they do nothing. They, you really only talk to the Mexico side. You pull up. They, I thought they were going to, like, ask questions about the dogs, health certificates. I don't know. Anything. Like, I got health certificates and, like, shot records for my dogs. They did not ask a single question. They could not have cared less. They basically just opened up the back doors, glanced inside my van, told me, Esta bien? And I said, thank you. And so I just continued to drive through, and we were officially in Mexico. And... I think just in general, following the rules and being polite and having manners and act, like doing whatever they ask, um, not arguing, all of those things, you're going to be fine. If you just cross the border and act like a normal person crossing the border, you will be fine. There's nothing to worry about. I mean, most of you probably are like, yeah, we got it, Sydney. I wasn't nervous to begin with going into Mexico, but you know what? I was terrified and I wish somebody would have been like, dude, it's going to take you 10 minutes and they, they don't care. They literally don't care. You're like a girl in a van crossing with her two dogs. They, they don't care. So lesson learned. Anyways, I do think that others, I talked about this in the beginning, but I feel like other people have kind of lied about this process and making the border seem like it's this really scary, intimidating place. And they, like crossing into Mexico is even after their experience, right? Like I was nervous because I'd never done it. But then when you watch a video or you hear someone talk about their experience and they're talking about how terrifying it was and they were interrogated by all of these people. After my experience, I can only assume that there was like some sketchiness going on because out of four vehicles that crossed, me and three others that I was with, none of us were even asked like a single question, like absolutely nothing. Obviously on a different day with different guards and stuff, it might be different. But yeah, I, I just feel like some of them were really, like other people in other videos have been super dramatic and really exaggerated their experience for the sake of views, which is unfortunate because Mexico already has such a stereotype on it. And so I just have no, after my experience, I have no uh, desire to contribute to that stereotype. So now we're across the border. We're driving in Mexico. We drove on a highway. It's called 1D. So highway one goes straight through Tijuana. We were trying to kind of avoid Tijuana if we could. And we did on this highway 1D. I don't know if that's unnecessary to say, but it basically just you're you hug the coastline a little bit closer. And you get to kind of avoid the actual city of TJ. And we stopped at this really nice campsite we found on iOverlander that tended to be like the the app that we used the most in Mexico. It also tells you where to find water and where to find like 
hookups or RV parks or whatever you're looking for. And only like an hour into the border, there was this really nice campsite that was right on the beach, had toilets and showers and stuff. I think it was like 10 US dollars a night. So because all four of us got separated and we knew like, we didn't know what our service might be like once we crossed and stuff like that, we had already planned on like meeting up at this campsite. It wasn't too far into Mexico. We could all just get back together, reassess hit the reset button, have a drink, have a glass of wine, and then wake up the next day with a game plan of like actually exploring and doing things. And I do recommend something like that if you are feeling like we were, which is just a little bit anxious, wanting to get across the border, see what it's like, feel it out a little bit. We knew at a paid campsite that it was going to be safe or at least safer from what we thought. And yeah, it was really nice. I will say like that first campsite did kind of, it just changed my perspective on what this trip might be like. Because I know I already mentioned this, but we had really heard, I had heard that it was like so touristy. It was so Americanized and it just wasn't really that way. We pulled into this, you know, it was a small little like rundown baby of a building and a man just walked out and spoke only Spanish and asked us like how long we were going to stay there. And thankfully I speak like a lick of Spanish as does one of our friends. And so we kind of got by and I was like, okay, wait a second. This might just be slightly different, which is a, but I was excited about that. I wanted it to be that way. I didn't want it to feel so touristy. I don't like going to national parks. I avoid things that feel touristy. So I didn't want it to be that way at all. Um, And maybe we just went in like a good season or something. I don't know. But that campsite just made me realize like, okay, this is my, this might be a little bit better of an experience than I was even expecting. And so anyways, great time the first night. And then we started cruising down the coastline. We went down the West way first. So we stopped in Ensenada, then Guerrero Negro, and then that's when we cut east. And each night, you know, or every day we were driving a few hours. Some days, you know, one or two, and then a couple days, I think we drove like eight hours. And most of the campsites that we ended up preferring the whole time we were in Mexico were the paid ones. And that really had no... It had no bearing on like, what was it safer or not? It was just like a matter of which campsites we kind of liked better. I don't ever pay for campsites in the States. I did not pay for any campsites while I was in Canada either, but we really wanted this to be like, you know, a really a fun trip. It was more of like a vacation type of experience for us than just like van life in general, which is what we do all the time. So we were all willing to just pay like five to $10 a night, depending on what, what campsites it was, like what it looked like, was there bathrooms, toilets, showers, that kind of thing. So yeah, we ended up preferring the paid ones over the free campsites. I know other people who've probably traveled in Baja would like highly disagree with that, especially if you've spent a ton of time in Baja, like months and months, you probably know all of the really great spots. We were only there for about a month. So we just didn't we didn't have enough time to like super explore. You know what I mean? So we just ended up paying, hung out on the beach. It was an amazing experience. After we cut east from Guerrero Negro, we were able to just like find this beautiful blue water. And we paid, I think it was about 10 bucks, 10 US dollars. It was 200 pesos a night. And it was incredible. 10 out of 10 recommend. It was my first time there. I have notes on my laptop if you can't clearly tell. It was my first time there. So yeah, I felt safer. There were uh, these things called palapas at the beach, which I know that some of the locals were calling them something else. And now I just can't remember, but they're basically like these little, like they look like tiki huts. I don't know. They're like, like straw type stuff on the roof held up by just wood, wooden posts. And it's so nice to be able to pull up your van right next to one, open the door. And now you have like basically 
two to three times more space because you have this shaded thing next to you, Palapa, where I could like tie up the dogs and they could sit with shade, put their like food and water out over there and stuff. And then it just feels like you have a home and then you have like a patio, you know, it feels like you have your van home and then just this extended balcony area that you could kind of hang out on. So that was also really nice. And then all of the campsites that we stayed, specifically that one, like at the beach with the Palapas and everything, that those were super dog friendly, which was important to us because we all have dogs. I think in total we had two, three, four, we had five dogs with us. I think we had just as many people as we did dogs, but it was important to us that we found places that were dog friendly. And our entire experience in Mexico ended up being very dog friendly. While they don't have dogs that are as like beloved and like, you know, nobody really walks their dogs, mostly because there's so many street dogs. It's not really that safe for you to like walk your dogs publicly. So we're walking our dogs when we first got there and before we kind of realized, you know, what was going on, we would like walk our dogs to a restaurant or to a cafe to get coffee or something. And people would just kind of look at us like, what are you doing? Like, why is your dog in an outfit? Or, you know, like a whole harness, a leash, all this stuff. Like we're wearing, like uh, Henry always wears hats that says dogs or send dog pics, stuff like that. And, you know, we're just, we're a little bit bigger dog people. And it's just a different type of culture with dogs. And like I said, even the people who love their dogs in Baja, they can't really walk them or have them out about frequently because there's so many street dogs out that you don't know if they're aggressive or what's going on. Anyways, point is the campsites were totally fine, totally safe, and very dog friendly. So that was ex very exciting for us. The travelers are usually there along with somebody regulating it. Yes. And uh, when we got to the beach campsites on the east side, just to name them, the, the best one was they're like... Well, they're just south of Mullahay. I just, I know I'm going to get roasted if I say the actual name of the campsite. They are on my website, but they're just these beautiful campsites south of Mullahay. Do a little bit of research. I just know if I say the actual name of them, somebody's coming for me. But yeah, so... I really expected that it was going to be uh, packed with travelers and stuff. And the, while the RV parks obviously had travelers, the beaches and a lot of the campsites didn't have... It was like a good mix of travelers and locals. Like you could tell that the locals were really enjoying the beaches themselves and stuff, which was also exciting. Also a reason I don't want to say the exact name of them because I just don't want to... You don't want to overrun them with random travelers, especially you don't know if people are going to go there and trash the place. But yeah, I was just excited to see how many locals were at these campsites or at the beaches, um, enjoying them and just like doing their thing. I think it was also like a spring break week. And so there was just a ton of locals that were out of school, off work and stuff like that. And I don't know, they were chilling right along with us, eating tacos and hanging out in the very warm, very beautiful water. The best places that we found were further down on the east side. So I don't know why. I just anticipated that the west side of Baja would be better for absolutely no reason. It was just a random assumption that I kind of made. And then we realized once we're like looking at photos, we were already down there and we're trying to like plan out our next moves. The best places were by far along the east side and way further south. I don't think we ever had the intention of going as far south into the peninsula as we did. But it's just so beautiful down there. You want to keep traveling and exploring the longer that you stay there like you just want to see all of it and meet everyone and kind of just do you want to do the whole thing and so we ended up doing a lot of it and by far the best places were along the west side so if you plan on going to Baja highly recommend just if you have a short period of time just go down through the through the east side did I say I don't know what I said did I say it was best on the west side I hope not best on the east side okay south of Molahay and San Felipe that whole area Okay. Woo. Yeah, I, I have on here still recommend doing both sides, of course. Obviously, do the whole thing if you have time. Next up, safety. 
obviously very important. Safety was probably my biggest concern. I think it's most people's biggest concern. I also posted a couple videos on TikTok while I was in Mexico or maybe like freshly after we left. And the amount of comments that I got about the cartel and the cartel is going to kill you. They're going to get you. They're going to attack you. Like stupid little girl traveling in Mexico. It's so ridiculous. It's hard to, I feel like I don't have to address that, but apparently I do because so many people were mentioning it on TikTok. If you're just a traveler and you're staying in like safe areas-ish, you know, you're not just like completely roaming down dirt roads. Like, I don't even know that they'd be down there. I have no idea. But we went all over the place, never encountered anything that felt like our safety was in question, let alone did we encounter the cartel. It's just so absurd. Everybody was incredibly nice. Be smart and you're completely fine. By be smart, I mean, like, I had a crossbody bag instead of, you know, just, like, carrying, like, a little wallet that you could spin around and somebody could mug you, which obviously could happen in the States as well. But, yeah, I had, like, a crossbody purse that zipped up, fully closed. And, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't have, like, my phone out. I didn't have, like, wads of cash out. That's all I mean by be smart, which, honestly, you should be doing that regardless of where you are. One of the more intimidating things for me was the military checkpoints. And I bought an ebook from Slow Car Fast Home, is their name across social medias, and they have this Baja ebook. And so I bought that and it addressed the military checkpoints. And I didn't really know what to expect. They did say in the ebook that everything was fine and that, you know, there was nothing to be nervous for. But when you pull up to, you know, you're in Mexico. I don't fluently speak the language. And then you pull up and there's like a bunch of men in machine guns and they just like surround your car. I mean, a lot of times I would just roll down my window. I would joke back and forth with them in Spanish, just like asking them, how are you? Like, what's going on? Yes, I have puppies. <laughs> like they're, they just are there to talk. But the first time you do it and you just have like five men with machine guns surround your van and then like open up your doors and they're just like looking through stuff and they're asking you questions. It's definitely an intimidating experience. Nothing that I had done before, but you get over that pretty quickly. I feel like, if, you know, I think I've heard of one person who was like bribed there, but I did not have that experience. Neither did any of my friends. I just would, roll, like I said, roll down my window, joke with them. It was always men. Honestly, they were pretty flirty. So I'd kind of flirt back with them just for the sake of like making this easier on myself. I just wanted to get through them as fast as I could. And then once we also, on our way back up north towards San Diego, while still in Baja, obviously, we had rescued four... I had four dogs in here. Henry had Ella and Pearl, and I had four dogs that were not my dogs in my van, and I had to go through a military checkpoint, and that was the one where I was really nervous because they just looked like dogs that did not belong to me. They were not doing well, and I was very nervous <laughs> to cross a military checkpoint with four dogs that I had no no records. Like, what if this was the one time they asked me for their records? And they didn't. They could have cared less. I just told them when I pulled up, I have four large dogs in the back. Just so you know, if you're going to open the doors. And he immediately was like, yeah, just go right on through, please. They were not uninterested in opening a van full of dogs. So yeah, nothing to be afraid of yet again, but do expect it. I mean, you're going to have guys with machine guns walk up to your van and ask you questions. And they're definitely not... They're not scary, but it's intimidating if you've never done it before. Was for me. But it never took longer than a few minutes. Already talked about the cartel comments on TikTok. Not a fan. It really is just ignorant. I have that on here as well. 
not to say that it doesn't exist, but you don't need to be concerned about it all the time. Bribe money is smart to have. I'm just going bullet by bullet right now. Uh, I know I already addressed some of this, but bribe money is smart to have, but don't ever give them as much as they want. That's not about safety. They're just scamming you. Yeah. So it's, they, they just want your money. Like at no point have I ever heard of someone, them saying like, get out of the vehicle. We're handcuffing you, taking you somewhere, getting pulled over in the middle of the night. Don't drive at night, first of all. But if you're like driving in the middle of the night, being pulled over and like being like dragged into somewhere, I've just never heard of that story personally. And I have so many friends who have gone to Mexico. So don't drive at night. If they ask you for money, stay in your vehicle, hand them 50 US dollars and say, it's all I have. Can I leave? Also, like when Katie did get pulled over, which I'm going to have Brie share this story in just a minute. But Brie had a friend who is very fluent in Spanish. She's a Spanish speaker. And so she called him and said, this is what's going on. Could you please talk to the officer? And I think that that's also something that's just smart to have. Like, if you know anyone who is a fluent Spanish speaker, to just let them know. I'm going into Mexico. I might need to utilize your language a little bit. And I might need your help. So... Also, just learn the language if you can, but I know not, not everybody has that type of time before entering somewhere that you're just going to travel for a little bit, but that would be uh, kind of the ultimate way, you know? Um, driving, gas stations, they're not everywhere. If you see a gas station and you're like half empty, fill up, just do it. There's long stretches randomly with absolutely no gas stations. There's like cities, or I'm sorry, there's like roads that are 200 miles long and no gas stations. And so there'll be like a random man in a pickup truck and out of the bed with like a gas can. And his whole job is I sit here and I wait for dumb people who did not fill up their gas tanks and they're running low and there's another hundred miles to go. And so I'm just going to sit in my truck all day, every day and just sell gas. And I don't know how trustworthy that gas is. So my point is fill up every chance that you get. Don't ever go below half a tank. I don't think we ever needed to. It might've been along one of those stretches that we got a little bit less than that, but just be smart about that. Especially with diesel. If you have a diesel van, I do not. This is gas. So if you, if you have a diesel van, just pay extra close attention. And also in Baja, at least the diesel is safe. So if you've heard like things about, I know I have, especially in mainland Mexico, that like the diesel's unsafe for a diesel engine. I don't know about in mainland, but in Baja, the diesel is perfectly safe. Several of my friends had to fill up on diesel and they were fine. So you're good on that. Also, lastly, on the safety thing, before I have Brie call in and we get to chat with her, cars getting broken into. I do know someone who had their car broken into recently in Baja. My only recommendation for that, my best advice is to not really leave your van much. We did not leave our vans because I was with a group. If I had to leave my van, like Henry and I would break off from the group. We would go do our thing. We'd come back, watch their vans like they were watching ours when we were gone. And then they would leave. We would watch theirs. And so if you can't do that, I just don't think you should leave your van, you know, longer than a few minutes. Like you can run into a grocery store or like a cafe or do what you need to do, but park right in front and then get back to your van. The majority of Baja, you'd be perfectly fine. But I know like in San Felipe, I think is the one place I've heard any kind of story of something happening. And I just get nervous, like, especially if you have valuables, I have cameras and lenses and podcast equipment and random stuff like that. So just don't leave your van alone too much and you should be fine. So while we're talking about safety, I am going to have Brie call in and we're going to chat with her about the experience that her and Katie had with a police officer. It's just kind of the only issue that we had the entire time we were there. And because I was not there, I just don't feel like it's my story to really tell. At least Brie 
Brie was there. She wasn't the one experiencing it, but she was there. So she can kind of tell us uh, better what happened and what that felt like, what the experience was like. And yeah, so we're going to chat with her really quickly. Okay. And we are with my friend Brie, who's on Zoom. Brie, how are you doing today? (laughs) I'm good. It's cloudy outside and rainy, but other than that, doing good. Lovely. Okay. So we're talking all about Mexico. First of all, how would you say your overall experience was being in Mexico? My overall experience, I loved it. I think there were a lot of lessons learned. So I'm excited to go back because I know so much more and what I like and what I would do differently. Love that. Okay. What do you think? What was the biggest lesson that you learned? I think for me personally, I prefer Southern Baja, Baja California Sur. It's, there's just more beaches. They They're very tourist friendly, not to say the Northern part isn't, it's just obvious that the Southern part is very tourist. Like that's what they do there. Right. And you just have the beautiful beaches. It just had everything that I thought they would have. It's what I expected once I got down South. Was it more dog friendly than you were expecting Mexico in general? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if it was because COVID hit them so hard and they just want, they really need the tourist dollars, but there wasn't, I mean, there was maybe one restaurant that didn't let the dogs in, but we brought the dogs everywhere. Yeah. No, I think that was like one of the biggest, the most unexpected things for me was that dogs are literally allowed everywhere for the most part. And like off leash, like, I just feel like they don't really care, you know? Uh Okay. So I was talking about safety in general, the fact that 99% of the time we felt very safe. There was like absolutely nothing at all. Like I, you know, we kind of not stopped considering it, but there was like a couple really warm nights at the beach where like, I know we had like my door open at least a little bit. Correct. And you know, like where I going into it would have expected like locked and closed up no matter what. And I feel like the the more, the longer we were there, the more comfortable I became. Obviously safety is always of concern, but anyways, you and Katie kind of had an experience. I did mention the fact that Katie was injured today due to a roller skating accident. She's a professional of the world. And so she could not share her experience firsthand, but you were there. So I would love to know, just tell them what happened and kind of how that was and really just the feeling of it, because I do feel like it kind of changed the way that Katie felt for a few days, just of in terms of her, I don't know, being in Mexico. So yeah, just tell us what happened. Sure. Okay. So we were traveling in groups. So you were traveling with Henry, like a mile ahead. It's not like we were very far apart of each other. And then Katie was ahead of us and we were in a group and she hit the light just right where she, it was green. And then we got the yellow light. So we had to stop. So she was maybe half a mile ahead. And so we were trying to rush to get to her and we were in, we were in a city. So I will say that most of the time, like there just wasn't any issues out on the open highway, but we were in a city. And so we were rushing to find her and Sean saw a van pulled up ahead and he was like with a police car behind it. And he was like, that's Katie. And I was like, no, no, that's not Katie. And he's like, no, yeah, that's Katie. And I was like, pull over, pull over. <laughs> like, like he, right. Like he was going to like p- pass her and be like, bye. <laughs> but so we pulled over and I immediately, so a friend of um, a friend or excuse me, a family member. So we call him uncle Fernando. He's amazing. He was, <laughs> he was in Baja. Some of the time we were, we got to see him and he does speak um, Spanish. And so I told him, I was like, I've got you on speed dial. If anything happens, you know, maybe I was like calling that into my life. I don't know, but her poor Katie <laughs> called it into Katie's life. Uh, <laughs> I I immediately like called him and he didn't answer. And I was like freaking out. And I'm like, you have to answer. So I like text him and I was like, Katie got pulled over. So I call him and I tried to three-way Katie in and she wasn't answering. And so we're literally on a pretty busy like road. 
And so I just, I'm like, forget this. And I just jump out of the van, you know, I'm like, hopefully this is okay. And the police officers don't get mad. So there are two police officers. One is on one side of the van on Katie's like driver's side. And the other one was on the passenger. And so I just went straight for the driver's side. And I will say they were pretty nice. They're like, Hey, you're, you're going to get killed. You're on a road, like go to the other side. And so I have, I know I literally was just like, Katie, let me help you, you know, as if I can help at all. So I had uncle Fernando on the phone and immediately poor Katie. She obviously is by herself. Like we don't speak Spanish. Like she can speak like a little bit. She can definitely string some words together and make sentences and get by, but, um, not fluent by any means. And I think she worked like in a kitchen, you know, none of those words, (laughs) like they're just not the same words that are going to be happening during an interaction with a police officer. And so basically they said that she had ran the light, which she didn't. And they'd also said she was on her phone, which she wasn't at all. And so she was like, this is just not true. But they're saying that they want to take me to the police station. And then I'm going to, she's going to have to pay 400 to $600 for a ticket, US dollars. Cause I was thinking like, okay, Katie, they want 50 bucks. Like just, just give them 50 bucks and let's like go on our way and consider it a loss. But no, they wanted $400 which is, that's a lot of money. I don't know if they saw her nice van and just like, I don't know, but. Well, it was also a lie, which is what made it, makes it scary. Cause you just have a police officer yelling at you that you were doing something that you were not doing and to give $400, which is so much money. <laughs> like that's, that's a lot of money that to, for Katie to just fork over for something that she was not doing. Right. Yeah. That's a lot for any van lifer. So anyways, they, I had uncle Fernando on the phone and he was talking to Katie and then he ended up talking to the police officer because he does speak Spanish. And you could tell it was probably like 10 minutes that he was on the phone with him going back and forth. And so uncle Fernando got back on the phone. He's like, look, Katie, you're going to have to go to the police station. And like immediately, I I don't know why it just like made us nervous because we we don't, we don't want to go to the police station in Mexico. (laughs) Like we don't want to be anywhere near that. (gasps) Like, So we were like, we don't want to go. We were super scared to go to the police station. And he's like, well, you'll have to go. But basically just make sure that if you go, they give you your ticket and then make sure there's a judge there. So apparently there's like, like, I think it's like the chief of police or I'm not really sure, but I know that somebody writes out the ticket and they give you a receipt for paying. So, you know, it's, it's not a bribe. They actually did give you a ticket that you need to pay. Mm -hmm. And so we were like kind of, we were still kind of freaking out because Katie still felt like by herself, right? Like we're right here with her, but if she's going to jail, it's her that's going to jail, you know, not us, not that she would go to jail, but that's what goes through your mind, right? Like they're going to make us go to this police station and who, who knows what will happen once we're inside the building. And so again, all these very, you know, elaborate things that pop into your head. And so he ended up talking to him and he told him that we had a camera in the van and that recorded her and that we could prove that she wasn't on her phone and that she didn't run the yellow light and that we would go to the police station and that he would, he was, he said, he told him he was a police officer and said that he would, which isn't true. (laughs) He told him he was a police officer and he would meet us there. And that if that happened, that we were just going to say the, like the cameras stopped recording or something, we were going to make something up. Yeah. Like just trying to call a bluff basically of this police officer. Exactly. And so meanwhile, Fernando was talking to Katie and the police officer was getting very agitated. And he was looking at me and he was, he got Google translate out and he was like, tell her to hang up, tell her to hang up. And I'm like, 
<laughs> like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you want me to do? So I'm like literally in between Katie and uncle Fernando. And then I've got this police officer trying to like, tell me like basically getting very agitated with me trying to tell her to hang up. It's also important to note that this happened like our second day in Mexico. <laughs> like, I do think that it would have been a little bit different had we been there for a little while. It would have still been nerve wracking and intimidating, obviously, but it, it was like, we're like fresh in Mexico, you know, like we're, we're just now learning like the scope of things mm-hmm. like, okay, what is this? Let's feel it out. We're excited. We're also nervous. And so it's like, had that happened at the end of our trip, I think it would have at least felt a little bit less horrible anxiety, you Mm -hmm. know? But I mean, Katie just, uh, who already has anxiety, I mean, my God, she just literally, I mean, it's the second day in Mexico and now she's getting yelled at by a police officer. It's just kind of a bad scenario. Right. Yeah, exactly. I I actually completely agree with you. I don't think that it would have been as like anxiety ridden. We just weren't comfortable yet. We were brand new in a country and we had already had to go back to the border and it just, we just had a lot of things go awry those first couple of days. So, so yeah, anyways, uncle Fernando got on the phone with him one more time and he handed the fan back, the phone back and he looked at us and he just like shrugged off and like blew his hand in the air and was like, get out of here. And we were like, what? And so, you know, uncle Fernando started cracking up and he's like, he told you guys, he's like, he doesn't want to deal with you guys just get out of there yeah what a win yeah yeah he just called his bluff and he's like oh forget it (laughs) these girls aren't worth it right amazing we love to hear that okay yeah so and then I mean how do you think that that affected you specifically and also Katie like moving forward do you think that there was like a different did you guys feel differently for the next day or two like did that did that affect your trip at all um not me personally. I mean, I wasn't driving. Like I was very lucky. Obviously I have Sean who's willing to drive in Mexico. So like I, and it, it worked itself out. So like, I didn't feel super nervous. The only thing I was nervous about was making sure that like, at least we were always together that we no longer let like a light separate us or something like that. Cause I just didn't want that to happen again, but no, not for me. I, I think Katie was very cautious at that point. She just wanted to make sure that she no longer got ahead of us where it was super important for there to be two people so that you felt safe. Right. And not necessarily, which maybe that is what you mean, but like there's like physical safety, like you're going Mm. to be attacked in some way or just like safety in terms of like a really scary situation, like ending up in Mexican jail that I mean, no, like, I mean, it has nothing to do with Mexico, any foreign country you go to, you don't want to mess with a legal system in any way. Like that's so intimidating anywhere you go outside of like, I mean, it's God, it's already intimidating in the United States. I mean, you're from here. But so yeah, I just, I don't remember. what, What am I saying? What I want to make clear is I know I just told this big dramatic story, because it felt like that. But we didn't feel we still felt safe. Like, I mean, I don't want to be pulled over in the US. Nevertheless, like, you know, whether it's in a different country where I don't speak the language, it, it it's not necessarily about where I was or where we were. It was just about the fact that we didn't speak the language. They were trying to bribe us, which is just a thing that happens there. And you just have to decide to accept that, that that's just part of it. I'm not saying you, nothing bad can happen to you, but I am saying I don't feel unsafe in that way. I feel like my money's unsafe. Maybe (laughs) like they're going to try to bribe me, but I didn't feel like anything bad was going to happen to us. I guess I just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah. That's where I was going with that. I told you, yeah, I spaced, but yeah, no, for sure. I, there was never a point while I was there at all where I felt like my physical safety was in jeopardy. And like you said, not to say that cannot happen, but I was also mentioning in earlier 
that on TikTok when I posted a video in Mexico, all of these people are commenting like, until the cartel comes and gets you and kills you and does, like, you know, discards your body in the middle of the desert. And it's like that, that type of, yeah. that type of comment can be so damaging to a place that is like beautiful and like somewhere you should want to go. And so it, it is a little frustrating that anybody would think that like the, like you're just going to enter Mexico and the cartel is just going to snatch you right on up. And so, yeah, just kind of trying to knock that stereotype, I guess, if it's even a stereotype, but knock that belief down a bit. The cartel, I mean, as far as I understand it, obviously, as far as I understand, the cartel does not care about us. Us, we are tourists. They want our dollars. Just, they don't, they don't care about us. Like we're, we're tourist dollars. They leave us alone. We literally got pulled over by a police officer and he wanted some money. You know what I mean? Like, was it scary? Yes. But at the end of the day, like they just wanted our money. Right. Okay, well, sweet. Is there anything that you would add about your time in Mexico that you would want people to know? No, I do think it is nice to travel at least with like one other person, like whether you're a couple or not to say a solo female can't do it, but I do think it is nice, at least your first time before you like go all the way alone. I would recommend at least going with a group. I just think it'll make you feel easier. And there are very long stretches of highway that you have no cell service. So if something were to happen, like you did get a flat tire or, you know, your engine didn't break, it would just be nice to have someone there. Like, I'm not saying anything bad's going to happen to you, but I wouldn't want to be on a long stretch of highway anywhere without service. So. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a great point. There were times where we would have no cell phone service. Like, I mean, it was only really one drive that it was so long, but it was like a six hour drive with no cell phone service. So if something were to happen, I mean, you'd be pretty screwed. I mean, you have a hundred, a hundred miles in each direction of no cell phone service, at least, you know, like in a country that you're, you're not a citizen of you, your phone is nothing. There's no gas stations or businesses literally anywhere around. I mean, I just don't even know what you would do. Not to mention, the roads in general are pretty sketch. Like you, there's no shoulder on the, on the sides. A lot of those times on those highways and you're going through like windy mountainous roads with no shoulder. And you're just trying to like squeeze by a semi that's going the opposite direction. And you're just kind of like holding your breath while you do that. So yeah, if something were to happen in one of those situations, you, I don't, I mean, I just don't even know what you would do. So yeah, in terms of safety for that, for sure. I think traveling in a pair or a pack is pretty important. Yeah. Agreed. Other than that, it was a lot of fun. I mean, you should go. If you want to go, you should go. Yeah, totally agreed. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Thank you very much, Brie, for coming on. Love hearing her perspective and everything that happened between uh, her and Katie and just that whole situation. Like she said, that is that type of scenario is almost to be expected. If you if that doesn't happen, that's fantastic. But physical safety, not so much in jeopardy. But your yeah, your money might be in jeopardy just a little bit. So have an extra fifty bucks hidden somewhere that you could easily pull from. Give it to someone if they're being aggressive, like that police officer was. Having a Spanish speaker that you're able to call or something might be useful. But all of that being said, like your physical safety is not in harm's way. So that's just really important to note. Anyways, moving along to, oh, I will have Brie and Katie's information down below if you want to check out either of them. Katie is Zoe Botavan. Brie is Chasing the Wild Goose, two of my best friends. And I was very happy to travel Mexico with them. It was our first international trip together. But to wrap things up a little bit, I'm going to go over my overall experience, just kind of how I felt about the whole thing, and then what the experience was like crossing back into the States, because a lot of people told me that I'd be much more difficult than crossing 
crossing into uh, Mexico. So I want to talk about that a little bit as well. But first, my overall experience, the first thing I have, which isn't like the most important, but it's just bullet points. English is not as common as I was expecting, which is obvious in retrospect, but people kept telling me, I know I touched on this earlier, but people really just acted like it was so like nothing but tourists. And that's really not the case. I mean, there's touristy parts for sure, but it is Mexico. And knowing Spanish is a huge tool and a major asset while you're there. I was very uh, happy to have taken so many years of Spanish. I'm not fluent, but as I was like talking to people and as I would hear different words coming towards me, I was able to like remember a lot of what I learned in school, which was so bizarre. But a lot of it came back to me and I don't know how I would have gotten around without that knowledge. Like it would have been fairly difficult. So I was really happy to kind of have that to draw from. And everything else was, I mean, well, that was also amazing. I would rather go somewhere that's full of culture than somewhere that's like completely Americanized and touristy. That would just, I mean, that's a little bit disappointing, you know? But I also did a lot of animal rescue work. I wanted to touch on this as well. The animal rescue work that we did towards the end was one of the better experiences I had. We did some in Ensenada and then we finished in Tijuana and both of the organizations that we worked through. In Ensenada, it was Los Adoptables. I'll have a link down below for that as well. And then in Tijuana, it was the Animal Pad and the Achu Foundation. They all three just do amazing animal work, especially with dogs. The dog culture there is very different than it is in the States. Not to say there are not people who don't love their dogs in Mexico. Tons of them do. But that being said, there, there are thousands of dogs just like roaming the streets and I mean, getting hit by cars. They're covered in ticks, covered in fleas. There's just a lot of like I don't know, street dogs that are starving and not doing well. They they do not have owners. And it's really sad to see, especially if you're like a crazy dog person like myself. It was really great to like go into those spaces and be able to have professionals and people who spoke Spanish and people who knew the neighborhoods that we were going into in Tijuana and stuff to be able to go and like give them flea and tick medicine, give them food, just do whatever we could while we were there. And these organizations do that all the time. Henry and I just kind of like rode along to help out and see anything that we could do. So I will leave a link to Keeping Finn, or I'm sorry, to Team Finn, which is Henry's or like not organization, but his Patreon where every month he donates 100% of the money to a rescue that month. And the for two months, he did Los Adoptables and then the Animal Pad, two of the organizations that I just listed. So if you are interested in like doing any kind of rescue work or a good deed while you're in, in Baja, uh, I recommend like reaching out to one of those organizations and saying what you can do. So, and people just listening to the podcast on Spotify or anything, you can find those links all over my Instagram as well. Overall experience, again, great. Had nothing but a lovely time. People were incredible. Food, even better. I, I did love the people, but the food, you can't beat it. Luis at a place called Briotes Everybody. I don't know if I'm saying that word right because I've never heard that word before, but the best tacos I've ever had. Luis was amazing. He has a dog named Mango. Loved Mango. And yeah, just the the whole culture in general. It was just really exciting. And I knew that it was going to be beautiful and fun and everything, but it ended up just being 10 times more than I could have ever anticipated. So it was just so exciting. If you do have a van or an RV or any kind of rig and you're considering going down into Mexico, but you're just nervous or you don't know, uh, couldn't I, I could not recommend a place more. Like it was, I've told a lot of people since getting back, 
It's been the best time I've ever had on the road in almost four years. I've gone all over the place and I've traveled to other countries as well, not in the van, but, you know, flying and stuff. And this was the best time I've had in travel, period. It was just so much fun. And so, yeah, getting into crossing back into the United States, like I said, people kind of warned me that this would just be so much harder and more stressful than crossing into Mexico. Thankfully, that also was not really my experience. I did have one moment. So starting at the beginning, though, way longer line getting into the States. A lot of people, especially if you're crossing into the States from like Tijuana again, a lot of people in Tijuana work in the San Diego area. So especially in the mornings, the line to get into the United States is just insanely long. The guy that I spoke with that I did the money exchange in San Diego. I did it at like his business. He lives in Tijuana and he crosses every single morning. So it just, there's thousands of people that do that. And uh, yeah, I just recommend doing that like mid afternoon on a weekday or something, you know, maybe like 1 PM would be better. It's a way longer line. There's a lot of food and snacks in that line. Like a lot of locals sell food or like stuff that they make in the line. And so I just found this to be a really good spot to like spend the rest of my pesos. I had like a hundred pesos left or something and I got, uh, you know, some random like mango drink and some food, some churros. And so I did just kind of, I had a bunch of coins left and it was nice to be able to spend that somewhere before crossing back into the States. Once I got to the border, nobody asked me for documentation for the two foster dogs I had. Nobody asked for documentation for my two dogs. They, it just, yeah, I I had shot records prepared and nobody asked any questions about the dogs. They just kind of asked like why I was in Mexico, where I'm from, you know, am I a sketchy person? No. Okay, great. The one hiccup, I guess I had crossing back into the States, it was not a big deal, but I was pulling uh, up to the U.S. border and I this one U.S. police officer had a mirror. It's like literally a mirror that you would have in like a bathroom and like a handheld one, but it's on a very long stick. And that stick, he was, he was holding it in a way that I had to like go around a little bit. Like he was holding it into the line of traffic. And so I'm trying to go around and I'm like looking at him like, dude, could you move? And he saw me do that. And I mean, I didn't give him a dirty look, but I was just like looking at him like, okay, are we just going to stand there? And... So he was talking to a group of officers and he said something to them. And then they all, it was probably five or six like U.S. police officers approached my van, had me roll down the window and they were like, we need to see your passport, your driver's license and open up all the doors. And I was like, okay, totally fine. But can I ask why? And he was like, I saw you give me a really weird look. It just, you looked, something seems off. And I was like, okay, search whatever you want. Uh, Nothing is off. I just noticed that the mirror you were holding, I, you know, I was afraid I was going to hit it, but by all means do whatever you need to do. So I handed him my passport, my driver's license, him and his friends got in the back and they're like kind of asking me questions in an almost aggressive tone, but at the same time, so I'm in the front and they're like asking me the questions. The pocket door right behind me is open. And at the same time as they're doing that, they're talking to each other. And one of the guys was like, this is so dope. I could totally, I could talk so-and-so his wife into like doing this so hard. Like she would love this. And they're just like talking about my band. Oh, I like this. Oh, I 
really like that. And I was like, it was a little annoying that they were talking about how much they love my van and also speaking to me pretty aggressively. But that whole, that whole situation lasted like 10 to 15 minutes. And I never felt unsafe yet again. It was just a matter of like questioning me and kind of explaining, I guess, why I was looking at him in a weird way. And then he, or all of them got out, left me alone. And I mean, I, they were asking me lots of questions. Where are you from? How long have you been doing this? Like, are you traveling with other people? So we had the chance to kind of talk and them feel it out a little bit. And after that, they moved on. I pulled up to the U.S. border. The woman asked me nothing about the dogs, looked at my passports. I, she didn't stamp it, but whatever does whatever they do. And I crossed back in and suddenly I was like back in San Diego. And even only being there for about a month, it still felt so weird crossing back into the States, which I know is a ridiculous thing to say, as if I had spent some, you know, a year there or something. It just felt... I don't know. I was really sad to be back into the United States. I really was. I spent a few days. We got a hotel afterwards because we had two foster dogs and we were just trying to get accustomed to having two extra dogs, being back in the States, getting our vans back in order. And the whole time we were at the hotel for the two or three days that we were there, it was just, I was just bummed hard to not still be like exploring something new. Anytime you go into a new country, it just feels refreshing and exciting and everything is stimulating. You know, everything that you see is cool and interesting and just fun and unique and things that you haven't seen before. And then you get back in the States and you're like, oh yeah, I've been in San Diego a million times. Nothing exciting here because I've been there so much. Obviously there's plenty, to, nobody from San Diego needs to come for me. And yeah, that was pretty much the whole thing. I crossed back in. I'm back in the States. Everything was great. I'm going back to Mexico. First of all, this week, I'm going back to, or I'm going to mainland Mexico this week for about six days, coming back to the States. And then next winter, I plan on being in Baja for about three months that's how much I loved it. I would like that to be my new winter spot in the van. You know, there's really no reason for me to keep going to San Diego or Southern California in the winter when I feel comfortable going into Baja now. And I've been doing the San Diego, Southern California thing for the last three to four years that I've been in the van. So over it, ready for something new. Like I have here, the towns are amazing. The people are great. The food is great. And the beaches are the best. So Woo. Everybody, thank you for listening. This was my first podcast uh, on video. It feels very strange. I'm sure I'll get used to it, but please subscribe to this channel. This will be where I post podcasts. I say I do it every Wednesday, but you know, if you've been around for a while, you probably know there's a couple weeks in there missing. Things just get busy and I live in a van and life is just life, you know, but subscribe to the channel. I would love to be uploading as much as possible, but no matter what, all of the podcasts will be coming out on Spotify and Apple per usual, not just YouTube. So you can kind of get them anywhere if you're driving. Let's just stick with Spotify. And I will be uploading to a main channel as well. That is going to be Divine on the Road, which is what I am across the board on social media platforms. The podcast here is obviously My Solo Road Podcast. So I'll have two channels starting out soon. Do all of the YouTube things. Comment, share, like, I don't know what people do here, but I love you all very much. Thank you for being here with me, especially for my first video ever. And I'll see you next week. Bye friends.